Welcome to the latest podcast by the National Institute of Economic and Social Research. I am Luca Pieri and today we are going to talk about older workers and the role they are playing and they can play in the labor market. A topic which has increasingly been in the news in recent times. To help us going through this topic is Jasmine Rostrum, Associate Social Researcher here at the Institute. Hi Jasmine. Hi Luca. Jasmine, you recently worked on a project analyzing the experiences of older women in the labor market in Scotland. What were the main findings of the project? Which picture emerged? So our study uh, focused on workplace practices, especially looking at training opportunities, access to flexible working and occupational health, and also how these can impact progression opportunities for older women in Scotland. For example, the menopause came quite often as a key finding with women experiencing physical symptoms, but even after physical symptoms, um, there is also a sense that there was a loss of confidence for women in the workplace and also mixed with stigma about not being able to have these discussions with their employers, making them more reluctant to ask for necessary support. And so all these things negatively impacted their progression opportunities and for some was one of the reasons as well for them to leave uh, their employer. So what can be done in order to improve the issues facing older women in, in the workplace? Sure. So, for example, with the menopause, we found that a lot of the times it was line managers who didn't have an awareness of menopause symptoms and the kinds of things that women needed in terms of support. So having some compulsory training around the menopause so they're able to have discussions, remove the stigma and really put support in place could really improve work conditions and have progression opportunities for women in the workplace. Another theme that came up was really the need for flexible work. This can really shape promotion and training opportunities. Yeah, so employers should really consider offering part-time work at senior levels and also equal access to training and additional opportunities to really encourage women to uh, progress and also to stay in the workforce. Also, it's about looking into workplace cultures. There was one woman who spoke to us talking about how she was working part-time hours at a senior level, but was really required to work beyond her contractual hours. And so it made it very unsustainable for her to stay in that position, unfortunately. So obviously it's not just one issue emerging from your work. It was focused on, on Scotland in particular. Do you think that these findings are likely to, to emerge from a UK-wide research if, if in the future you, you will have the opportunity to carry it out? Or there are some specific factors in Scotland that are emerging from, from your research? Yeah, it's a good question. Our study was quite specific in that way, that it looked at Scotland and it looked at two specific sectors, the information communication and the finance sector. So in that way, we could say that our findings are quite specific to that. But then also thinking about, you know, the need for flexible work, menopause. These are issues which are likely to affect women across the UK and across different sectors. So it'd be really yeah. interesting to continue our research into these areas. Yeah, sure. That definitely is going to probably be the case that some of these issues affect every woman in the workplace. Um, so lately, we had the government trying to encourage all the workers back into the labor market after the recent exodus of people, especially people in the age bracket from 50 to 64, are leaving the labor market due to illness, caring for family members, and going on on early retirement. So how would you encourage older workers back? And which measures, if any, should the government introduce, should the government take to, to lure them back? So our study really looked at employer and employees' perspectives. But really for the government, it's really important for them to understand really the reasons beyond just the personal reasons why they're leaving. 
in some way it's unsustainable, like you said, for them to balance their responsibilities with their work. They've got different health conditions. But then beyond just their personal reasons, trying to think about some of the societal reasons why they are needing to take so many caring responsibilities that they're not able to access caring for retiring parents, elderly parents, that they have to step in, that there's no childcare available for younger members of their family, that health concerns aren't properly addressed. So there's a lot of societal things that the government could introduce. They could also, there's at the moment, it's obligatory for uh, larger employers to do the gender pay gap. There's not a similar policy to monitor for age and age discrimination. So introducing something like that, so employers are actively looking at age and looking at gender and looking at other uh, characteristics to really understand their workforce and be proactive in in taking policies and measures to, to support workers. So it seems that the synergy between employers and government is is the key to try and and give more support to all the workers. Is that the case or do you think the government should rely more on employers, you know, spontaneously doing their bit to help the workers or should the government enforce some policies that the employees has to take on board to change the picture? Mm -hmm. I think it's definitely something there in between. I think at the moment there's a lot of focus on employees and sort of their responsibility for leaving and their responsibility for having to take care, almost being blamed for having left the labor market and being now asked to come back but not being provided with any incentives to come back or any uh, any of their concerns being addressed. So it's really important for really all the government and employers to work together. For example, like I said, like the, the policies monitoring for age but also there's something that, you know, different employers will have different employees with different needs. Uh, different sectors will have different requirements as well of their employees. So just trying to make things as specific as possible. So not everyone, for example, experiences very severe symptoms of the menopause. And so just providing support for those who need it, those who want flexible support, having support for those who need it. So it seems to me targeted support is really important. Yes. On one hand, and the other one, it seems to me also life management in the workplace Mm-hmm. It's quite important because probably the line managers are the one who knows best yeah. the colleagues. Is that is that Yeah, correct? absolutely. So we, we also, part of our study, um, had interviews with the employers of, of these women we were talking to. And so it seemed that at one level that there was a lot of policies around the menopause, around gender in the workplace, around retirement. But then there was sort of a disconnect then within the line managers actually putting these into practice, having these sort of taboo conversations about succession planning, about retirement, about adjusting for health needs. Women also talked about the difficulty, especially if their line manager is younger than them, and even more if they are male younger than them, because it's not really seen as something that's on their radar. They don't necessarily understand the menopause. It's not something that they've experienced, that they might know someone who's experiencing, so it's not even something that they might think to bring up. And so really having some compulsory training um, so that they're made aware and that they're made aware of the kind of support that their their company can can provide for them. So on, on one hand, we have the government and other stakeholders trying to encourage all the workers back, at least this is what they say, to help with the economic recovery in uh, uh, what we are seeing uh, tied to labor market at, at the moment we speak, where there are therefore lots of vacancies, but not a lot of uh, available workers. But on the other hand, we know from recent research that all the workers are more likely to face discrimination in the recruitment process uh, and the workplace more in general. 
it seems a contradiction, Jasmine, or at least two conflicting things. Uh, how do, do you explain this? And do you see a possible positive solution to this? Mm, absolutely. Some of the things you're talking about have come up in our research. We talk with women who really have the belief that younger workers have a comparative advantage to them or a more desirable skill set. The women we talked to also had uh, some issues in terms of understanding, you know, contemporary recruitment practices such as psychometric testing or some of these scenario-based tasks, which they wouldn't have done in the past. And so some of these create barriers to switching or even pursuing promotion or applying for, for roles. There's also a belief that there's ageism among the employers, that if women are too close to retirement age, even if it's 10 years in the future, or somehow they're believed to be less efficient or productive than younger workers, which really discourages them from re-entering or switching to a different position. We're seeing that there is labor shortages on multiple sectors, uh, so we really need to be incentivizing workers, providing some training or support around some of these new recruitment practices in ads as well using some positive or neutral language. There are some words such as energetic or dynamic, which can be seen as code for younger. So making sure that even in the advertising, you're not discouraging people indirectly from, from applying. Yeah. Um, as well, having work which is desirable for people. It's flexible, it's part-time, remote, something that really supports their health needs. Otherwise, they're not really going to be encouraged to, to step back into the labor market, which they might have just recently stepped out of. So yeah, it's not it's not enough just to say that we need older workers and that there is an economic recovery which needs them. We also really need to address some of the reasons why they left in the first place. And obviously, it seems to me, given they left, they need some incentives to come back. What is the role of incentives here? It seems to me incentives could play a major mm -hmm. role in trying to have them back. Yeah, there's really a variety. Like we were saying before, it can be if they've left because of caring responsibilities being able to offload those to the government, having support for elderly or for younger children, for childcare. I mean, combined with that, or maybe instead of that, it can also be introducing flexible and remote work practices, um, especially also in part-time positions, making sure that there is training and additional opportunities available so there is a sense of progression and that people are able to continue in the development. Or if there's a wish to change um, retraining opportunities, especially in sectors now which are seeing some really steep skill shortages, such as the hospitality sector, it'd be really great for someone to be able to retrain in that way so having those opportunities available to them uh, could be really beneficial so what next which role can uh, all the workers play for the uk labor market and more widely for the uk society given many you know saying that we are living in an aging society and therefore probably all the workers will also grow in numbers in in the near future Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're seeing more people step out of the, the labor market. And we've seen this in the last five years, for example, for uh, since Brexit, there's been shortages of migrant workers who used to fill up a lot of seasonal work, a lot of uh, less desirable work, let's say. Um, and so late, older workers could really come in and sort of plug that gap with increasing their labor market participation. There's also some evidence that, you know, diversity in the workplace is really beneficial and experiences of a more experienced workforce can also bring in a new level of expertise. Yeah, so older workers definitely have, have a place in, in the labor market, but it's making sure that they, they feel valued, there's opportunities for them to progress. So we find that even, even if they age, they're still able to have that meaningful contribution and lead meaningful lives in the, while participating in the labor market.
Wow, Jasmine, that was really insightful. This is what we have time for today. Thank you, Jasmine, for uh, explaining so well what the main issues are for all the workers. We will be doing more research on this and we will not shy away from this topic, which is going to be obviously very important in the near future. So visit our website, nisa.ac.uk, follow us on our social media platforms. And until next one, goodbye. <laughs>